Hi, and welcome back to the Multifaceted Athlete with Coaching Lutz. I'm your host, Kelly Lutz. I am a USGA certified running and ultra running coach and certified strength and conditioning specialist. I am so excited to have you here today. We'll be talking all about running, aspects of running, strength training, and anything else that makes us humans who do sports. So let's dive right into this episode. I hope you love it. Hello, welcome back to another week. I have another interview for you. This one is with Kate Keene. She is one of my favorite runners on social media. If you are on Instagram and TikTok, she is Kate South Keene. She is just so real with her content and just an inspiration to follow. She also qualified for the 2020 marathon, Olympic marathon trials, and has won the Cincinnati Flying Pig Marathon twice. And in our conversation today, we talk all about her journey in running, how she got into running how she decided to strive for the Olympic marathon trials, not once, but twice. Um, a little bit about mental health, some other aspects of her life, which we're all about because this is the multifaceted athlete. We're more than runners. And it's just a very real conversation with someone I really am inspired by. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation. There is a slight audio change in the middle because... Kate's phone was dying and she had to plug it into her car, so switch from headphones to not headphones. So that'll be there in the middle. Don't worry, nothing's happening on your end. It's on our end. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation and thank you for sticking with us through some of these technical difficulties. It was a lot of fun recording, but you know, sometimes Zoom is not always the best, but enjoy my conversation with Kate. I think you're going to love it. So welcome back to another week of the Multifaceted Athlete Podcast. This week, I'm joined by one of my favorite runners on social media. She qualified for the 2022 Olympic Marathon Trials and has won the Cincinnati Flying Pig Marathon twice. You may know her on Instagram and TikTok as Kate Southkeen. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, we've been talking for a bit before this started recording, but I'm really excited. That would have <laughs> been like the best little recording like intro, just like before the intro, just like actually hear the craziness. But we're we can keep we can keep it going. <laughs> I feel like every podcast, I just need to start recording as soon as the person comes on Zoom. Yes. There's always conversation before the recording. And it's yeah. bold. You should do that and then like do a little edit and then do your intro and then like go into, yeah. Yeah. So I'll, we'll do that next time. (laughs) Future tips. So I'm really excited to talk to you. We've been following each other for quite a bit now on TikTok and Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I really want to ask you some questions about the Olympics, obviously, because we're all super intrigued by them. And like you qualified in 2020, you're trying to qualify again for 2024. Correct. Um, yes. But first, let's go back to like, how did you even get into running? So this is funny. When I was growing up, my sister is like any normal thing starts, starts with a sibling rivalry. And my sister and I are six years apart. And she's also like, not only are we six years apart, but she's also like, she's six feet tall. I'm five foot two. She played basketball. She was like the number one softball player in the state and I was just a shrimp and my parents like literally my nickname was like squirt like from finding Nemo, squirt or shrimp and when we would actually have to take tennis lessons together we grew up in a town right outside of San Francisco and I was seven which meant six years seven which meant she was 13 and she would just like drill tennis balls at me and she like thought it was so funny and they would always put us with each other because we were siblings. And I was like, this is just not fair. And one day my mom picked us up and I threw my tennis racket into the car. And I was like, I'm running home. And I was seven. And my mom was like, they, this, these people are going to think I'm like torturing my child. Like she's running in next to me and I'm driving next to her in the car. And so I did that. And I wouldn't say that I like ran from that point. I played a lot of sports, which I think 
as kids should. I played basketball, softball, volleyball, soccer. I ran track. I actually was like more of a 400, 200 meter runner when I was younger because I didn't really like have a whole lot of interest in like the mile because I wanted to like run shorter stuff. But Mm -hmm. we got to that later. And then I just, I just played everything. But really, I would say like the kickoff started when my parents moved my family from Northern California to Ohio, which is why Ohio has like such a significant meaning to me. We moved to Cincinnati and my sister was a senior in high school. I was in the seventh grade and I just, I'd left like all of my friends from childhood Mm -hmm. and it was really tough because I just didn't understand like the, the difference in culture. It was a huge culture shock. Like imagine going from San Francisco, California to central to, to Ohio to Cincinnati, Ohio. Like it was so tough. And I just remember one day like going outside and I had a green iPod mini and I blasted like Christina Aguilera's fighter. And I started just like running around the block and I just got like hooked from that point. And then I like would run to this one part in where actually the flying pig goes. I would like run to this, run to this one part on the course where like near my house and come back and I would be like dad how far was that it was like I think it was like two miles I was only gone for like 15 minutes so like we got in the car and measured it and came back he was like yeah you just ran two miles and I thought that was so cool so I would say from that like main move that really like got me going and I just learned that I I could channel like a lot of how I was feeling about like leaving my friends, my family was in a tough situation, you know, it was just hard all around. I, like, I could control running and it made me feel better. And so from that point on, I ran and then we moved, had another move my freshman year of high school to Texas Oh, and I moved to Texas and that's where like, I pretty much was just like, I don't like get me out of here as fast as I can and get me out of high school. I'm just going to run and that's, I'm going to call it a four years and then I can go out and do whatever I want so I ran all throughout high school and then here we are and now you're back in Texas and I am well I stayed for Texas I stayed for college in Texas and that's actually was like a huge thing for me I really didn't want to stay here and then I got a really good offer to go to just a really good school and I loved the coach and the team and my parents kind of got their wish. They like, didn't want me to go back to, I was going to go back to Ohio and I was going to go to Miami of Ohio. And then I decided to stay here. And my parents were like, well, guess we're staying here too. Cause we were only like 45 minutes apart. It worked out really well. I watched my sister fly back and forth across the country for college. And I just saw how stressful it was. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it was really nice if I needed a break from everything. I just, I, I didn't do it a lot, but sometimes I'd just like drive home, have dinner and go back, which was nice. And I'd moved around a lot. I wasn't like really taking it as like, oh, I didn't decide to go see something new. I mean, I'd moved across the country twice already as a teenager. So yeah, that's kind of the journey of how it really all evolved. Long-winded, like that's the journey. (laughs) We love long-winded answers. That's when you get all the details. All I got is long-winded answers. (laughs) I'm an endurance athlete. There's nothing else. I'm designed to do nothing else. This is true. So when Mm -hmm. you were going into college, because you were a walk-on to the cross, I was right. Mm -hmm. So in high school, did you know you wanted to run in college competitively? Yes. So my, I did as soon as I was a freshman. I was like, this is what I want to, this is what I'm doing. I was like third on the team as a freshman. We had a bunch of seniors and, you know, the beautiful thing about cross country is like, no one can be mad at you if you're faster than them. Mm -hmm. Like it's not political. It really shouldn't be. So high school wasn't great either. I didn't love it, but I think, you know, you're respected in terms of like, Hey, she can just do this. Like, cool. Like we have someone that can help us like get there. And so I knew I wanted to, as a freshman, I really said, I'm like, I'm running in college. And I wasn't the fastest, like in the state in terms of like public school and private school. I went to a private school. So I was just pitted with other private school girls, but I was in the largest division. And so I was a state runner up in 5A for Texas 
four times. Whoa. I never won. And you know, I, I was really, I was really good. I was a state runner up four times in track and cross country and the two mile and the mile, but I just didn't have anyone that really like came banging on my door that really wanted me to go there on a scholarship, which didn't, you know, didn't really hurt me, but I was still determined to like figure out what I was going to do. Miami of Ohio offered me a spot to walk on. And I was like, okay, like I could do that. I really wanted to go back. But then SMU, I went and met with her mm-hmm. forced by my mom. My mom literally drugged me to look at that <laughs> campus. And the only reason I did it was because I didn't have to write an extra essay to apply. I just could apply. Oh. And so I was like drug over there. I met the coach and I walked into this coach's office and I just like talked to her for an hour. And she was like, I want you on this team. I, I, this, like, what, what can we do? Like, I'll figure it out. And so I got into the school and she offered me a spot and it was just kind of history from there. That's so awesome. And then you Mm -hmm. eventually did get a scholarship. I did. So we had kind of a rule. Our team kind of had a rule at the time or a coach had a rule at the time, not the head cross country coach. Our head coach was the head coach of the whole track program. He mm-hmm. basically gave a 100% scholarship or zero because most of our athletes were from overseas. So you're not going to bring a girl from Norway to the United States and give her a 50% scholarship. It was everything or nothing. So most of our scholarships went to girls from overseas who became my best friends and I, I loved every second of having them as a teammate, but it wasn't until I was a junior where two girls from the United States got scholarships and they were from California and we had a really strong team. We had like great team chemistry, you know, and I, I had asked for scholarship money before I was in tops. I had run, I ran every varsity race for four years from freshman to senior year. I ran every varsity race and I had asked for it before. I just hadn't really like proven myself yet like I had a rough freshman and sophomore year really but it took it took a little time to adjust I wouldn't say Mm -hmm. I was performing at my potential and then finally like I went home after sophomore year and just like decided that I was over it like I was I was over being like mid of what I could do so I just like got my shit together and went that's as hard as I could that summer I swear like I that summer was unrecognizable I I was recognizable to people who had known me prior to those two years, but I just like turned the switch back on, you know, mm-hmm. and I got back to campus and my coach didn't even like recognize me the first time she saw me. She was like, and then she's like, we're ready to go. I was like, we are ready to go. <laughs> and that's when they pulled me into the office after like a couple of meets within that cross country season. And they were like, you know, you've done, you did it. You earned it. Here's, here you go. <laughs> I was like, I think I cried for like days. I was just so thankful. I went to a, I went to an expensive school. I'm not going to lie. I was very fortunate to like mm-hmm. have parents that said that they could send me there. You know, I, it was, I sacrificed a lot to do it too. I'm still paying for it now for those first three years, but like, you know, I, I got a great education and I got a great experience and I won't trade it for anything to be honest. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, it was cool. I was the first girl in 30 years of the history of the team to walk on and get a scholarship. Whoa. Yeah. So like that sunk in really deep for me. It, I, I knew I'd had to have done something special for that to have happened. So yeah, it was, it's cool. It still affects me like to this day. I went back to homecoming last weekend and just to like know that like we had such a history and we performed so well and like talked to these girls who just had conference this morning and they're like looking at me, like asking me for this advice. I'm like, don't grow up. That's my <laughs> advice. Don't go, don't leave. No, but it was just wonderful. And yeah, it's launched me to what I'm doing now. Yeah. I imagine seeing how much your hard work paid off back then really translates to trying to get to the Olympics now. Totally. And I think that like, I, I look at my, my running career in like some stages, mm-hmm. like I had high school, obviously. And then my first years of college sucked, but then I, I was in school for five years in grad school and redshirted. My last three years were great. And then I would say like my first two years out of college weren't that 
weren't that stellar. Like I, it was, it's adjusting and then you're there and then you're adjusting and then you're there. And that's kind of how I've had to look at it each time I go into like a new life phase. Kind of, I mean, like post Olympic trials too in 2020, mm-hmm. like not only did the Olympic trials happen, but then like the world came crashing down. And I'd say from, I didn't feel good until like a year and a half after the Olympic trials. And that's when I won Cincinnati again. Like I, it was rough and it's rough every time you hit something that's like such a peak and then you have to find a way to like, to like let it sink in and enjoy it. But then you're like, in my mind, because that's just how I am. And a lot of runners are, it's like, what do you do next? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you go from like this, that was your ceiling like, how do I make that the floor again? And how do I find a new ceiling? You know, it's, it's constantly trying to figure it out, which is yeah. life in general, but <laughs> and running is a great analogy for life. Truly. Like most sports. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. So, oh, not a lot, but I've seen runners who ran in high school and college and then they get burnt out from that. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Did you get burnt out between that and then trying to shoot for the Olympic trials or how did you You avoid it? I would say my burnout was always, was always short. And I credit my coaches to that. I've never run over 70 miles a week. Like, I think I ran 80 miles a week once Mm -hmm. and I've never over like overtrained to a point where I, for like a year was like, I hate this. I'm never doing it. I would say I burn out more mentally than I ever have done physically. Most recently, like, yes, my iron was really low and that was definitely like a physical point of burnout. But I would say like, I never was that person who like was so overtrained that I just all of a sudden, like everyone wondered where I was. And I have, I ran, I've definitely run, I ran with girls that now I, to this day, I'm like, what happened? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with not running anymore, but it's also sometimes it's like a question mark where you're like, could this have been avoided if, or do they even still want to, would they still even want to run? Like I want to run. Mm-hmm. I've definitely had points where I'm just like exhausted and tired, but I credit so much like the coaching that I've had, even from high school and college to like make me aware of like what like not just they've made me so that I don't get to that point and my coach now is the same like the first sign of me like having a mental breakdown she's like I think we need to take a step back and that's why we did that back in February like it she was like you're not racing for a couple months and I was like what do you mean? And she was seriously, she was seriously like, Caitlin, I just like no comment on any of your workouts is positive. You're like, I survived. I made it. Don't know how, but I did it. And she's like, I need you to take a break. And that was a mini break. And then I was like, okay, I can do this again. I'm just always had really great coaching that has people, people (laughs) supported, people supported me like that. Yeah. I think you're also selling yourself a bit short because someone could have the greatest coach in the world, but if they, for whatever reason, like won't follow it because a lot of runners, as you know, I'm sure like have a really hard time stepping back or taking time off or yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I (laughs) have a hard time tooting my own horn sometimes, but I will say like, I do have a good perspective on like what is too much and like at what point do I draw the line like there there is a level of like I have to not be a balanced person to be great at this thing Mm -hmm. and like that's okay it is like Emily Sisson did a great interview she's like it's okay to be a pointy person it's okay to like not be fully rounded in everything that you do and I understand that like I think that I am pretty disciplined I'm pretty disciplined at trusting my coaches and I always say that if you go into a workout and you in the back of your mind are just like, oh, I don't like understand why I'm doing this. Like, why did they put this on my calendar? You are not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And that if you don't trust like totally like what your training plan says and just go with it, like you're, you're, you're going to struggle a little bit. And I just have a, I can easily 
they're the reason my coach is my coach is because like her job is to think for me and my job is to do it. Yes. I think and use my brain and like, know like why I'm doing it, but why would I go to her and question like everything that she has written out for me? Cause she wants me to be successful too. Like mm-hmm. she's been in my corner for five years and I just, I've, I do have to trust like what she is doing. She knows my goals. She's going to get me there. So why am I going to like sit and just like hum over my whole training plan? Like I don't trust it. So I do say like, that is something I've gotten very good at is just, is following the plan and trusting that it is going to get me to where I want. If I just, if I take over for myself, I have tried, it is not going to be good. Like if for like a month during the pandemic, I was like, don't coach me. Like, I'll just do what I want. I couldn't decide to run seven or 12 miles, like in a day. I'm like, Mm -hmm. do I want to run seven or can I run 12? Like, I guess I just can run 12 because I have all the time in the world. Like that is not okay. Like I can't, I can't do that personally. So yeah. Yeah. And I I'm curious how much you think that having like the Olympics is one of your goal helps because that's obviously like every four years. So it's really forces you to look more long-term versus like a lot of runners are like, I have a race in four months and then it's even harder to take time off because you're like, well, my goal is so much closer. Right. Yeah. I think having like that, the trials every four years, it helps you like look at things as a whole. Mm -hmm. Like my first marathon was December of 2017. And I knew that the goal was to qualify for 2020. And I wanted to have the standard by the end of 2018, But like, I had to look at it as like, okay, I'm probably not going to hit it this first time. I was Mm -hmm. close, but I, I didn't do it. I didn't hit it the second time. I was closer then, but I just knew long-term that like, I had a plan that was going to get me there. And if I just got so singularly focused on like this one day, four months from now, Mm -hmm. then like everything that I trusted was gonna, cause marathon training, like it's all, it's accumulative of Mm -hmm. so much time. Like I, my first marathon, I never ran longer than 18 miles prior. I remember my watch clicking over at 18 and I was going from mile 18 to mile 19. I, in my brain was like uncharted territory. Like (laughs) I had no idea what to expect. It was so like, guess we're here. And I blew up completely at mile 20, but like, that's just that was my first race. Like I had no idea how to fuel. I was doing everything wrong, but like that, then my next race, my longest run was 20. And then before CIM 2018, my longest run was 22 and my longest run before, like it it just, it's, but I accumulated so many miles and so much time that like my fitness just grew and grew and grew as time went on. And every time now I have a workout, sometimes I like, I sometimes freak out try not to, but I sometimes Mm -hmm. do. I always then just remind myself, like, I will go back to the think tank and be like, remember that workout that you did two years ago? Like at this pace with the exact, like, this is the exact same. Like I did, I've done this a hundred times. Like I can do, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of have to go back to that, like that storage tank that's somewhere in there and remind yourself, like I've done this before and I can do it again. Yeah. The longer you train for, the more you have to draw upon, which is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, in college, we used to do, I, we used to run around a lake. We had a nine mile loop around a lake. We'd do a warm up mile and then we'd do seven miles at a certain pace and then a mile cool down. And mm-hmm. now anytime I have a tempo, like around like that pace a little bit faster, I just pull from that. I'm like, remember when I was 20 years old and I used to do this, like maybe hungover, like, (laughs) but like I could do it. And I remember, and I think now I'm like, I, I just have that. I have that experience, you know? Yeah. So let's go back to when you got out of college, when did the Olympic marathon trials come on your radar as a goal? But before I graduated, I like kind of in my brain was like, I can run a marathon. And Mm -hmm. it just grew. Like I remember graduating and getting my first job and like trying to 
figure out how to train. And in 2015, I mean, we're going into 2016. I was like, I know that I want to, I knew I wasn't going to qualify for 2016. Like that was going to be a really lofty goal. Mm-hmm. And so I just like threw it out the window and just decided 2024, but really like it was my goal or 2020, it was my goal. And then the trials in 2016 were on Valentine's day and I was watching it. And I remember one girl, there was one girl from Fort Worth that went to my high school, graduated five years before me was there. I train with her now. And I just remember being like, I'm going to be there with her in four years. Like I'm going to do it. I was like, I'd never run a half and I had never run a full. And I just like had this plan that I was going to do it. And I, I think if you say it and you convince yourself enough, like it is enough to like get you there. And that was the goal. And why, why a marathon? Because I am designed to, to run a marathon. Like I, like I am truly not designed to run a 5k. Like it's a whole, it, it is like a full ass sprint for me yeah. to run a 5k. It is like still, I can do it. Like I loved running the 5k in college, but like I, there's just something about just like the grittiness of running a marathon and like it, you have to pull from more than your body at that point. Like you have to pull from like the darkest depths of your brain to finish that race. And like, I just always kind of had like that side to me that made it like, just like a no brainer that that was going to be what I did. And my dad was always like, the longer it gets, the more I never counter, like I never counter out the longer it gets. The shorter stuff, he'd be like, yeah, you're going to get your ass kicked. Like, I, I know, like, in college, like, she's a lot faster than you. But I ran the 10K, and he was like, this is, don't count her out in this one. And then it just, the longer it got, it just was more clear that, like, I was way more dialed in and, like, hungry the longer it got. I just, I turned, I turned on, like, more and more every single mile. It's kind of scary. That's so cool. Do you- It's not I'm- cool for the people around me. That's true. Your competitor is not as cool. <laughs> or, or maybe it's people inspiring. that like, excuse me. Maybe it's inspiring. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I definitely have good camaraderie with everyone. I, I, people I race with girls I train with, like mm-hmm. when we train together, I don't think we really try to compete. Like a lot of people have our own coaches. So we do our own like thing. It's more of an accountability thing and a safety thing for us to meet up. But yeah, I would definitely say like, I have like a little, a little switch there that might turn on different from who you're talking to, like now mm-hmm. to then. And then I cross the finish line. It's like, oh my gosh, I love everyone. <laughs> Sounds scary. just like you like get in the zone. Yeah. I just, I'm just competitive. And I, yeah. I've been like that my whole life. You can, no one could teach me to be competitive. I was just born like with it in my deep in my soul. I feel like you need to be competitive in order to like go for the goals that you have. Yeah. I, and I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day, like at work. And he was like, I have like this, my, one of my sons is like so competitive. The other one, I can't even get him to run down the street. And I was like, you know, I just think it just was, I was born with it. Like, I just think I was born to be it's a blessing and a curse. Like, and there's nothing wrong if you're not a competitive person. Like there's, literally nothing wrong with with that at all I just I think there's a there's a beautiful thing behind being very competitive but then there's also like that part of you that you realize like hey I have to check myself sometimes like this isn't a situation where I need to like compete to be the best ever like I just need to calm down and no one's trying that hard here like there's certain life situations where you need to be like I need to check myself you know yeah yeah but I do have a lot of goals yeah. Um, I have a full-time job. Like yeah. I don't run full-time. I don't do TikTok full-time. I wish. I do have a I do have a job. It is not something I really talk about that often, but it is kind of like I work at a for a big company and yeah, it's got goals to just take over the world. I mean, you're well on your way. Were you Thanks. Working, <laughs> Were you working full-time the first time you were trying to qualify? 
Yeah, I've always worked full time. Yeah. So when I graduated from college, I definitely say I didn't like really have my feet on the ground career wise, maybe until like 2016. I graduated from grad school in 2015. 2016, okay, it was still a little bit of messy. 2017 was better. 2018 was probably the year where, like I really started actually like a more of like a career. Mm-hmm. And then I've I've been at the job I have now for three years, the company I've been at for three years. And I, I've worked full-time ever since. Like I've always I'd have been a coach or like worked in retail for a while. I coached and was in retail. And then I've started like in the corporate world for the last four and a half years. And I won't say like it's the best. I don't love it. There is something like really stabilizing about corporate life that I like. But yeah, I've always had a full-time job. Awesome. So going back to the 2020 trials. How did it feel to qualify at CIM? Oh, I was just like so elated. I, my parents were there like, and like a hundred girls qualified that year. It was awesome. I think I just finally felt like I had accomplished like what I had set out to do. It is kind of funny though, because we'll get into this. Like now I was dating somebody at the time who Mm -hmm. was like really not supportive of what I was doing and they they really just like didn't get it they weren't a runner they weren't like they were kind of athletic but they just didn't understand and they came from like a life where like he didn't watch the women in his life like do the things I was doing I would Mm, I would say and you know he had said some questionable things about like about you know, his future expectations for a partner that I probably should have like checked like in on earlier with my brain. But, you know, I think I also used it. I used some of my anger, like there's this fine line between love and hate, truthfully. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes used like things that he had said that like had bothered me to like motivate myself, but I like stayed in that relationship, which I should not have for that period of time. But that goes to say, like we were still together when I qualified on on December 2nd 2018 and we broke up six days later and that should tell you everything you need to know like I was with somebody who just couldn't understand it and then truthfully like didn't want to deal with it and we had been together for two and a half years and we we don't talk like we do live in the same city he is married I am sure that like he has a wonderful life and I you know, we, I have moved on, but I am explaining this from this situation of like Caitlin from 2018. Like I was not in a, in a place where like somebody got it. And Mm -hmm. it was like, I was, I was elated to have qualified, but I also then had this like fight where I was like, somebody was not happy that I had a spotlight or like some kind of like star. Mm -hmm. And and we broke up and I would say I was sad for like maybe like a week, which should also like wasn't really, really sad for that long. Considering how long we'd been together, my parents were like, finally, but, and my sister, it was not whatever, but I don't want to say anything bad about this person because we spent a lot of time together, but you know, that should, once we had then broken up and I had had time to actually check in and be like, I actually did this. Like. And I didn't have the support of somebody I thought I was going to be with like for the rest of my life. And that just made it a little bit, a little bit sweeter. <laughs> like truthfully it did. And then when I went to the, I was, it was just me and my family and like my Aww. whole family showed up, my cousins, my aunt, my coach from college, like a couple people from Fort Worth that had like been family friends of ours came from me. And I was just like, this is what it feels like to have the support of people that, that back you up and like want nothing more than for you to just keep going like they see you're on this path they just want you to keep taking off don't be with somebody who doesn't want to see this because they can't stand watching it because they're not doing it themselves yeah stand by that (laughs) hard lesson to learn but a good one was hard but you know think I'm thankful every day that I that it worked out the way that it did or else I would probably be like, not the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine your life would be very different. 
right now. So yeah, very, very different, but you know, I'm glad that it, we, it, it happened all the way that it did. I'm sure he's in a great place. I'm in a great place and everyone has moved on <laughs> and I've won two marathons since. Thank you very much. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really awesome that in like the face of your partner, not supporting what you're doing, you still push through and like put what you wanted to do first. Yeah. Like when your partner doesn't support you, man, it's, it sucks. Like it's really, it is hard. You feel like you're fighting every step of the way to like prove yourself when you shouldn't be. And I was also young. Like we were 24 when we started dating. We broke up at 26. And so like, I mean, I still consider that like very, very young. Like that mm-hmm. is still like, I still think 30 is young, but that I look at, I'm like, wow, baby Caitlin, like that was young to be going through that situation. And I, you know, I would say that like with every relationship, I've grown more and more and yeah, it's finally like, it's, you learn, you learn from every, from each one. I'm just, you know, I was not the luckiest in terms of like finding that person really like early in life who just always was going to be there for me and like support me and like you know go to a race and ride a bike like along the course and like be there with my bottles and do that do that do that like that would have been cool but that just like wasn't that like wasn't my reality hey like I've I have if I'm supposed to go through these Taylor Swift-esque relationships to like get to midnight then like that's what I'm gonna do man (laughs) that's why I love that analogy. <laughs> I love her. I love her. Which is like, I had to find a way to put her in there somewhere. And yeah, and now you have a partner that is very supportive, right? I do. He is wonderful. We've been together for almost a year. And it just has been like, it was just easy. I, I mean, it's, we definitely like don't, it's not easy all the time. But mm-hmm. even when we're, it's hard, it's easy because like we find a way to communicate and get through it and he is so supportive and he is just the most caring kind person I have ever been with and he never makes me feel like what I'm doing is you know taking away from him I would say that like other relationships I've been in like my running career they have made me feel like it takes away from them mm-hmm. and you know, like this person back in 2018, it was like, well, like, how are you going to help our family? How are you going to support, support us? How are, like, how is this going to help this? How is this? And just like with, with Mitchell, it's so different because like one, I've grown up, like I'm not 24, 26 anymore, mm-hmm. but it's not like what I'm doing diminishes from anyone else yeah you know, like what I'm doing is like amazing for me it doesn't diminish from his success doesn't diminish from from anything it just like it makes him like look at what I'm doing he's like I'm gonna go run two miles today and I'm like you go for it and like it just we are really great together and we have just a great time and like I said, whenever we do have an argument, like we get, we get through it and yeah, he's, he is wonderful and very supportive. He is very sad. He can't come to CIM, but he is uh-huh. like, might be, it, it is, it does suck, but he's like the level of stress you might be like feeling like maybe it's good to like go with your parents and like your sister and I'll be back in Texas. And we can celebrate when you get home. Like, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so glad you have someone who supports you now. I want to cry. It's just, it's so helpful, especially when you have such big goals that you're striving towards that are also far apart. Because, like, obviously you have to be focused for so long as you're working towards it. So long. And, And, like, I've never, I've definitely, like, you know, I've, I've, dated my most of my adult life but I've never I've never felt like this need like I've never felt like this need that I like 
I can't do this unless I have this person. Mm -hmm. I can't do this unless someone cares. Like I can support myself like emotionally enough to do it. It's just, it's like a nice added bonus that there's somebody in the world that wants to also support me too. Yeah. Like I just, I've never felt this like incompleteness. Like I've never felt like I needed somebody to be like my other half. I just have always felt like I've needed somebody. Like if I was going to have somebody in my life, like I I wanted somebody to be happy for me, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't, don't need to ask for much else. Yeah. I feel like those are the best relationships because, well, obviously I'm biased. I'm really similar to you. I like don't feel like I need someone to complete me either so it's like you're just nice to be around all the time and I want to be around you I want you in my life (laughs) like I will just be like do you want to just like watch House of Dragon and like eat pizza like that's a great night like I don't need like a whole lot of other pomp and circumstance like I just like I feel like I'm just like hanging out with my buddy all the time he's great yeah and, and Jet loves them too. So like when the dog falls in love with who you fall in love with and you're like, oh, he like looks out the window so sad. And I'm like, he's on his way. And he like looks back at me and he's like, like, am I not enough? He's just been introduced to this other human that he really likes. So it's hilarious. It's so, it's so cute. Like I need to actually like film the reaction of when Mitchell comes over one day. and just yeah. like his whole body. It's like, you can't like Aww, can't. that's so cute, so cute. <laughs> it's adorable kind of like makes my heart explode like every single time like literally every time I so, can imagine yeah <laughs> cute oh here's me just being a simp <laughs> Jesus if anyone's listening that follows you they all know about Jet so they do he's so cute yeah. oh my god that was my so I did go through a breakup in 2021 Mm-hmm. early 2021 and jet was my emotional support Aww. um for jet. <laughs> my emotional support dog i just was like you know what i'm gonna get the dog and it was the best thing i ever did he is he's awesome he's such a good dog i like never understood people like with their animals before where it was like this animal is my whole world and mm-hmm. like, jet is literally my entire world i love him so much I literally her yeah he's so cute he's we're the same size he's cute I know I've seen pictures of him standing on his legs <laughs> it's so funny how you're the same height then <laughs> it's funny it's funny 40 pounds bigger than both of his parents whoa 40 and I was like he's supposed to be a medium golden doodle he's like an extra large golden doodle and look look there's a lot of people that don't like doodles golden doodles out there that's fine you have your own opinion I love this dog more than life itself so like let me just live you know yeah I personally am not a dog person but I understand the appeal I love your little cat (laughs) my Mrs. mom is a cat person and so like yes trust me like whenever I send her a cute picture of a cat it's like melt like she it's like how I with Jet but she has they have two dogs but she's just Aww. like but then she also has Fletcher and Fletcher's her cat and it's like Fletcher it's so cute yeah pets are just they're just the best they're sweet yeah I have three outdoor cats that live between between my yard and my next door neighbor's yard Aww. so we take care we take care of them yeah yeah so you have like the best of both worlds yes I do Jet those cats like don't like him though. He tries to like 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 sniff them. And today one of them full on was like, Rawr! and he like got so scared. And I was like, don't play with the black cat, buddy. Like it doesn't like you. <laughs> like, but I like it. Aww. Yeah, poor Jet. Cute. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Jet. That dog literally sighs. Like he has everything in the world, and he'll just sigh like at me. He went on a four mile walk up. He's been in the back of the car. <laughs> It's rough he life. Wants. Yeah, he loves the rough life. Pretty cute. Yeah. So back to the back Olympic to the running world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back to the running Sorry. world. Oh no, I love tangents, and I mean, everyone loves pets. Well, maybe not everyone, but you know, they can deal. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> after the 2020 trials, you said it was pretty rough. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Like, 2020 was really hard. A lot of it had to do with working from home. Yeah. I feel like this is a subject that I talk, I talk about a lot. I don't hear a lot of other people talking about it. But working from home was very challenging for me. And I thought originally, like, in life, I was like, if I could work from home, I would be so fast. I would be such a great athlete because of all of these things. But really, like, I need to go somewhere to do my job. Like I, working from home got challenging, really challenging for me. I'm just not in the place in my life where like being home all the time makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a family and kids, I think if you have work from home as an option, it's amazing. Like you're, you can save on childcare, you can go pick up your kids from school, you can coach their teams, like that is wonderful. For me, it was just not, like it was just not working out. And I struggled so much and just I think a lot like a lot of people in the pandemic like my I had really never struggled with anxiety outside of race like I had race anxiety when I was in high school but that's just because I like would get so worked up and be like mm-hmm. I've got to win but like I developed like everyday life anxiety and I just didn't know what was happening like I will never forget like September of 2020 and I was visiting we had like gone to Ohio. So like we traveled during the pandemic and what my family did, we had like made all of these arrangements to like, we had tested negative for COVID. Like we're going to be outside for my visiting my grandparents. And I was just like in my hotel room, like and had a full on like anxiety attack. And I just like, couldn't breathe. And I had no idea like what was happening. I just mm-hmm. think the uncertainty of the world was, was hard for me. And I felt like everything that I worked for, I guess, was, like, kind of slowly being taken from me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd worked really hard to get my job, and I loved going to work every day because it made me feel like I was doing something that mattered. But then, like, I was in a routine of waking up five minutes before I, like, had to be on my laptop, and I just rolled out of bed, opened my computer, and I wouldn't, you know, it just, and then like you scroll and you just, yeah. it just wasn't good for me. And then also like you'd had this super high, high of the Olympic trials mm-hmm. and then it just came crashing down and I didn't know what to do next. And I struggled so much. I tried to like train just to for whatever. And I just felt like I was running myself into the ground. So I struggled a lot. And then finally, like in April of 2021, my mom like came over one day I called her I was like just a mess and she was like you can't do this anymore like you cannot work from home anymore it's hurting you like so significantly and so I had like started that's when I like decided I was going to go to like I went to like a WeWork office for months then and I just couldn't like I had to just get some type of normalcy back to what I was doing um, and with running too like I mean it affected everything like it just you know caused a lot of stress like everywhere and so I wouldn't say I got into a groove again running wise until maybe April of 2021 and like that was a full year after the trials when I'd like start going back to like not just working from home I like packed up a lunch I went to work I came back and I had a separation of like office life and my life and that's why I think running got a little bit easier and then I was going into Cincinnati and I felt great because I I decided I'd figured out what was working gonna work for me again like that year though end of March 2020 to April 2021 was not good for me at all. Like I just, I struggled mentally a lot. I like had started dating someone and then we broke up. And like, when you spend also like a lot of time with someone in like the COVID world, like Mm. I felt like we had been together for like four years. Like we were Mm. only together for like 10 months, but you know, everything was just accelerated. And I think that was probably like our demise too. Like it was what caused us to like everything went really fast and then stopped really fast. And you know, that's it. That is what it is too. I'm fine. I'm, I'm good from that one as well. But like, I think that that had a lot to do with like why I was 
stress. I think I just was spending like a lot of time with someone in like a really like condensed environment and we weren't living like a normal life. No one was. Yeah. No one was. So it was just strange. But then like we broke up April and like once that happened, that was kind of like my catalyst then to like, okay, like what did I need to then do to like get healthy again? mentally physically emotionally everything like what did I need to do instead of relying on this person that I was spending so much time with to like help keep me sane like I couldn't rely on them anymore I had to like figure out for myself like what could I do yeah I just I went to went to an office got a dog started training again and I led to Cincinnati was my second flying pig went that's awesome. Well, I mean, obviously yeah. the hard year was not awesome, but your second but one was awesome. It, it wasn't awesome when I was going through it, but I look at it now and I talked about this a lot and earlier this year with the guy that I like lived with with. And he was like, you know, if you hadn't gone through it, like you maybe not wouldn't be, this is so cliche, but like you go through really hard things that make you tougher. Mm-hmm. And I used to be like, right. Like, why do we have to get like, that sucks. But it's so true. Like I truly, like as horrible as it was, and as much as it sucked, and I wish at the time that it wasn't the case. I am thankful that I have like gone through that. I can't change it, so I have to just be thankful for it mm-hmm. and be glad that now I can move forward and it project like it's launched me now to doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, I feel like. It's obviously now almost end of 22, 2022. <laughs> so, I know, right? I know. It's a lot easier to like, now that you've had time pass to look back and be like, okay, this is what I can learn from this tough time versus like, you know, right coming out of it. It's hard to be like, take any positives from it. Oh yeah. I, my mom was so worried about me. She like slept on my couch for a week mm-hmm. and and I, yeah, well, that's, that's also like, that's the state I was in like that. And I'm, I am so fortunate to have parents that like love me to, and people that support me that like could see that I wasn't capable of like expressing how like bad things were, but they could see it. Like, mm-hmm. so kind of, they kind of came in and saved me a little bit. And I, yeah, I, at the time, like, I just was in pain, like, every day, like, everything felt painful, and I just never believed anyone when they were gonna, when they would say, like, it's gonna get better, like, mm-hmm. it will get better, and I, like, finally, when it started to really get better, then I was like, oh, like, this is what they're talking about, like, mm-hmm. this is, I can breathe, <laughs> like, uh, I could, like, take a breath, and not be so stressed out and my anxiety really started to go away and yeah I just I was definitely in a state of of being depressed that I had never been in before and like when you've never gone there so when you are there it's scary and you don't know like what to do mm-hmm. and so I'm thankful like now that I had gotten help I just I did not only have my parents but I had like a really supportive nutritionist. I had a great therapist, like things that I, people that helped me work through these things. And then I got myself back to being myself. There's never a normal, like normal doesn't exist anymore, Mm -hmm. but I got back to being like what I wanted to be. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I think that the conversation around mental health is obviously like, like progressed a lot because of the state of the world and and running too like I have seen a sports therapist since prior to 2020 like we used to see a sports sports psychologist in college like running is a sport that takes so much more from you emotionally and mentally it takes obviously a lot from you physically but like I've had that support of somebody like that in my life since 2013 And I'm just thankful that like I could fall back on that resource and I never felt ashamed of it. And I Mm -hmm. always felt like it was more helpful for me than it was going to hurt me. Like, how is that going to hurt me? It's just going to make me better. Yeah. So 
in, in terms of running, like, I think if there's anyone that's really struggling to figure out like how to get to that next step in their like athletic career, like it is an avenue to seek out. Like there are mm-hmm. some, there are wonderful sports therapists in the world and you just learn little tiny things to like get you through a workout. And mm-hmm. sometimes you can't always just be like, I'm just tough. That's not going to make it like to you get you to the finish line every single time. So yeah, you just learn like little tricks and things that are helpful. And I fall back on those a lot sometimes for workouts. Yeah. And I bet in the rest of your life too, not just running. That, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I am really glad that we, so I ran for two years in college and we didn't have a sports psych at all, but I'm glad that it's becoming more talked about and more common because like the mental side of running is a huge yeah. part of it like i mean the shirts were like the shirts that are like my sports 99 percent mental and world it's not wrong yeah like it's really like so so important to like the people that come up to you they're like i can't i can't even run a mile i'm so bored that is it's a mental it is mental like it's mm-hmm. a mental thing that gets you out that gets you out the door yeah yeah. Yeah. And there's just your mental state and how you like respond mentally can make or break your race. And then like oh, even yeah. in other parts of life, like if you encounter a hard situation, it can make or break how it goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you have had that since 2013. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I loved our, I loved our sports second college person I've seen now like post-college is great yeah just great people all around yeah I imagine it's really helpful I feel like I've said this like five times so far in this conversation but like (laughs) just with your huge goals like I feel like a lot of us just thinking about trying striving for the Olympics or like whatever our version of the Olympics might be like chances are we would need mental help with that and like someone help through that I like you're not gonna be like how do I say this the right way okay just gonna say it you can't get to where you want to go a hundred percent alone like that is such a if you want to try go ahead like if you want to try to do like get to this big scary audacious goal a hundred percent alone go give it a shot. If you make it, that's amazing. But like, I, I put the work in. Yes. Like I'm out at five o'clock every morning putting in the work, but like, I wouldn't be there in the dark if it wasn't for the girls that meet me in the morning. If my, my parents, like who love me, my, like, and not everyone maybe has like a mom and a dad in their life, but like, I also have, you know, just people that you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. are also important like you're gonna end up being the result of the five people you spend the most time with so make sure you like those five people like if you don't you're gonna not be somebody that you like yourself mm-hmm. and I spend most of my time with people that run side by side with me for two hours on a Saturday like those are the girls that I want to be like when I grow up and I I truly like believe that I couldn't be where I am if I didn't have that kind of support Um, it's not always, it doesn't fall in your lap. It's not very easy to find, but like, I am, I'm so like, I am adamant that you need a tribe and like, you don't have to have a big one. Like people Mm -hmm. that have like these huge groups of girlfriends, I'm like, dang, like how that's great. I have like five, but like those, even the girls that I went to college with that are my best friends that don't run like they are so supportive of me. Like they love me so much. They came to Atlanta. Like they support me in that area of my life too. And you just, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't have that type of like backup, you know, where some days I'll be like, I don't want to run today. I feel awful. I'm exhausted, but I don't have a rest day on the calendar, blah, blah, blah. 
And I'll text one of my friends that does not run to get a different perspective because sometimes if I text mm-hmm. someone that does run, they're like, oh, just try a mile and see how you feel. Mm-hmm. But if I text one that doesn't run, they're like, how, like, how much is this going to hurt you if you just take off this one day and you add up all the other days that you put together? I'm like, it's not going to hurt me at all. Like, you're totally right. They just have a, they can bring a different perspective to you about it because they're not like in it like a normal runner is every single day. So yeah, I'm adamant that you have to have backup. Yeah, I agree. I never thought to lean on non-running friends for stuff like yeah. that too. Non-running friends are wonderful because they have such a different like perspective on like on running. Like mm-hmm. my one of my best friends from college she is athletic. She works out. She goes in class. She runs outside. She does Pilates. She's not like, I'm going to train for a half. Like, that's not her sole life. And so I will text her over sometimes texting like somebody in my running group if I'm just feeling awful because she'll be like, take a rest day, sleep on the couch. I've been on the couch since yesterday. Like, what's the big deal? Like it's, you know what I mean? Like she mm-hmm. doesn't make it, it doesn't make me feel like I'm behind. She makes me, reminds me that like what I'm doing is extraordinary. Not a lot of people do what we do and it's okay to like take a break and rest your body. Yeah. Whereas like if I maybe would text a friend that is a runner, they'd be like, oh yeah, on my five mile this morning, I wanted to quit the whole time. And I'm like, well, then why did you do it? Like, <laughs> you know, like it, it's just, sometimes you got to remind yourself that like we are not the norm like yeah what we do is a very extraordinary and take a step back relax sometimes yeah it is really easy to forget that not everyone is as obsessed with running as we are and like they don't follow training plans week to week and like they don't pay for a coach that willingly gives them workouts and you know like someone's like (laughs) what how much like it's a passion I know and then pay to go to races just to run yeah yeah like you revolve your whole day around when you're gonna go run outside for an hour yep yeah you gotta remind yourself like that is not the norm it is the norm in our world because Mm -hmm. we surround ourselves with a lot of people like that but it is not like like that across the board for everyone no we're in quite a small bubble actually yes Sometimes it just doesn't seem like it's small because you're like so into in it. Mm-hmm. But then like when you remind yourself like, oh, wow, like this is actually like such a small fraction of the world. Yeah. And especially with social media, with all the algorithms, like showing you things that are like you, it's easy to be like, oh, everyone else does run. It's like, no, you're yeah, just like you're not a TikTok. 200 people on TikTok. That is it. It's, it's so funny. true. It's a great thing. It's it's a wonderful thing, but yeah. you know, you gotta always remind yourself like there is more in life. Yeah, and that that's why I renamed my podcast to the multifaceted athlete because like we're not just runners. We have a lot no. more in our lives. I I am. People might be surprised by this, but like I am very athletic in more than just running. Like I played softball. I went. My little league softball team went to the little league world series. Whoa. I played basketball I played volleyball like I played a lot of sports like you it is very important to be like I think as a kid I think if you want to play a lot of sports like play a lot of sports like mm-hmm. I this whole like club sport thing with only kids just focus on like one thing that's going to develop burnout back to our like earlier conversation yeah I agree I was the same way I played like every sport under the sun and then yeah decided on running in college (laughs) right absolutely because I was like all I want to do is run Uh, my parents were like okay we can't like fight you on that go for it you're like you're never gonna grow you're five two like you're not playing basketball anymore like cool thanks yeah okay so we've been talking for a while I want I know I was like wow I should probably now I need to get gas in my car I know I have one more question that we can close out with so you're going into CIM December 
to qualify, hopefully. How does it feel similar or different to last time you were in this situation, obviously qualifying for the first time? Yeah, last time, okay, well, the standard is different. Mm -hmm. So it feels a little bit more, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, it feels a little scarier. The first time it was, it was definitely scary because I, I'd only run two marathons prior and I, but, but I felt like at the time, like a 245 was, I'm not gonna say it's easy, it's not easy at all. It was the Olympic standard, like, of course, it's not easy, but mm -hmm. I felt like there was something, I had more cushion, I think, with it. This time around, I have a certain level of confidence just because, like, I have more time on my body. I've run more races. I've, like, I believe I can do it. But there is a level of, like, holy shit, like, this is a whole new standard. Like, it's a whole new world for a lot of us. But I believe that we can do it. The feeling also is, like, it feels like it's, like, happening a lot faster I feel like for CIM 2018 it did feel like it just snuck up mm -hmm. on us for some reason this race just feels like it's like right around the corner and it is but like it just feels like it's happening faster I don't know why it feels that way but like we're already two years out from 2024 like that's crazy that's, that doesn't feel right to me either but like just gotta be as ready as we can be and I'm giving myself every shot I have is doing everything I can if I don't hit it the first time like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crumble and not come back and try again I still have an entire year to keep mm -hmm. going but this is a great opportunity for me to throw myself into a situation where I'm going to be with girls that are so fast and so fierce and so inspiring that like I can just feed off that energy. Cincinnati, I ran by myself practically for like the whole race in 2021. And that was the last marathon I've done since the Olympic trials. Wow. So I'm really excited to like put myself in that situation. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm a lot of, I'm a lot of things. I will definitely probably feel more nervous. Mm -hmm. Like once I get to California, but nerves mean you care. It's so true. I'm so excited for you. And if anyone wants to follow along with your journey, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram, Kate Southgate on Instagram. I'm also the same on TikTok. Kate is spelled C-A-I-T, South like the direction and Keen like the adjective. So Kate Southgate, Instagram, TikTok. Do you have a Twitter? Not super active on that. I'm way funnier on TikTok than anything else. True. Follow along. <laughs> yeah. And I'll link all of those in the show notes, but Kate, thank you so much for this. This was such a fun thank conversation. You. And so yeah. Fun. I loved it in the parking lot of an East <laughs> It's Love perfect. It. <laughs> That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you like this podcast, please rate subscribe, review everything you do for podcasts, wherever you listen to them. It helps me out immensely and helps other people find the show and just spread my message. And if you haven't already, connect with me on Instagram or TikTok at Coaching Klutz. You can also find me at my website, coachingklutz.com if you're looking for my coaching services or any of my running programs. And I will talk to you all next time.